You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. And we are back. Hello. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for uh, for staying tuned. And I have to say, we didn't even know Stephen had that camera set up for the break, but that was one of the coolest edits I think I've seen in the show. That was really cool. It was a slick way to kind of keep everyone posted on what's happening here. Um, so we got some new guests. Obviously, this is not Kevin and uh, not Luca, not Julie. Um, we wanted to take this opportunity. We have obviously a lot of really good partners around the city. And Dave and I both worked with uh, Natalie and Michelle. and We wanted to bring them in. They're real estate lawyers. And I will pass it off to you guys to maybe introduce yourself. And then we'll just start hitting you with those really hard hitting questions that we planned and didn't tell you about. <laughs> Yeah, take the floor, Natalie. Maybe tell us just about about the firm and both of your backgrounds in real estate law. So hi, we're Gertin Poirier Avocat Lawyers. <laughs> I'm Natalie Gertin. Um, this is Michelle Poirier, my partner. And uh, we focus primarily on real estate law. Uh, we also do a bit of wills and estate work. Um, we're actually a fourth generation law firm in Ottawa. Um, so my great-grandfather, grandfather, and father were all real estate lawyers in Ottawa. So it's kind of in my blood. Um, I've no, seen my, I had no choice, but I'm also the first woman, which I'm really proud of. Um, yeah, so I'm in my 12th year, for, year of practice. And um, we're sort of carrying on um, the Gertin family's client care model. We focus really a lot on communication, collaboration and care. So that's what the clients feel when they um, work with our office. Um, they're not just a, a file number for us, they're, they're a client. It's, we look at it as a huge major life event and we're really there for them to support them, um, answer all of their questions, educate them to make sure that the process is as smooth as possible because it is extremely stressful. Um, you're not just uh, you know managing bank documents or mortgage applications, you're also managing kids that are moving, changing schools, you're packing up your whole house, your whole life. So it's a, it's a huge event and we wanna be there for them to sort of really support them um, and make sure everything is as smooth as possible. Yeah, I like the way I like actually the wording you used because we almost in the industry, like all of us, we do it every day. So it seems like I don't want to say redundant, like every file is completely different and every person's goals are different. But it does become like, you know, we're doing we're submitting the same way. We're reviewing the application the same way. But it's really important to reflect on the fact that like most of our clients, this is the biggest purchase they're ever going to make. It's a huge investment. It's a lot of stress on them as well that we're kind of taking on and, and helping kind of alleviate some of that. And that's actually one of the reasons I have really enjoyed working with both of you is because of the fact that I know you are very, in a non-condescending way, like able to take their hand and walk mm -hmm. them through the process and like they feel welcomed and so on. Um, you mentioned the fourth generation is funny. Actually, originally when I met your dad, he was working in Orleans, Louis Gertin, and I was working at the TD Bank in Orleans. And uh, the Gertains used to come in, the daughters used to come in to do all the deposits for the, for the, um, for the firm. And one of my friends, Stephen, actually met your sister from bringing in the deposits, and now they are married, have a family, and so on. So it's a really, f yeah, yeah, it's a very funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Michelle, you're originally from the East Coast, right? And New Brunswick. From New Brunswick, Dave, little UNB there, uh, different university, but and then you moved to Ottawa about eight years ago, and you maybe tell us a bit about your background as well, like how you kind of got into everything. 
Yeah, so I moved to Ottawa from New Brunswick. Well, actually, I worked in Halifax for a few years before moving here in 2016. I followed my husband, who was doing a fellowship at the Civic Hospital. And I just happened to meet Nellie across the table like this. We were just sitting at some friend's house and we were chatting and she was asking me, well, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, I'm, an, I'm a litigation lawyer in Halifax, but I'm here just for a few years, maybe one or two years. So I'm looking to maybe hopefully replace a real estate lawyer who might go on the mat leave because that's a really short term, mm -hmm. like it's quick transactions and a short term contract. And she was like, are you like, who's setting us up here? Because I'm pregnant. Yeah. I'm still Where's Ashley? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know at the time, but she was a real estate lawyer, pregnant, looking to go on the mat leave. So that's how I got into the family business. So they kind of adopted me from there. Yeah. And then we bounced between mat leaves uh, <laughs> back and forth until 2020, when I finally came back from having my last kid. And her father was like, I'm out. You're done having babies. <laughs> yeah, I am out. <laughs> I'm not doing any of it. <laughs> no, the pandemic was hard on on we get that. I think all the changes, like everything yeah. going more virtual and everything mm -hmm. electronically. Um, he was electronically challenged. <laughs> so we took over from there. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we're just finishing up our, our second year of business together. And you guys are located in, in Beachwood, right? So just east of downtown? Exactly. Yeah. You must have seen a lot over the last, you've t kind of taken over, you would have heard a lot of stories from your dad and, and from family as well, but, um, you know, running it, running the show on your own for the last couple of years. Um, what have you obviously coming from litigation backgrounds, a little bit different as well, but you know, and even you from hearing about real estate and being in the family, but, uh, what have you found has been different and what you didn't expect from like just overall good, bad, the ugly, um, from running your own shop the last two years. I, I worked for my dad for um, more than 10 years, so I had a really good idea of how to run the business already. Um, I would say that we did a lot of positive changes to the business. Um, we introduced a lot of like online banking that he wasn't doing. He was going to the <laughs> bank every day and chatting with the bank representatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> so a lot of it, it, it's a lot more effective now. Um, sometimes I have my deals closed at like 930 in the morning because I'm wiring out funds. We're electronically releasing transfers. So it's going a lot quicker than it, it used to. So I think we've made it a lot of, uh, we've like modernized the practice a lot since he retired. Yeah. With the business allows us to to provide more options to our clients. Now, we, now, now that we are allowed to do virtual commissioning as well. So that all came, it was a positive impact of the pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah. so most of our listeners that at least that I know of a lot of that we have, have a lot of like mortgage agents, realtors and, and kind of investors and stuff in real estate that that listen. So for yourselves, for anyone who doesn't know, like what would be a typical kind of I'm a new first time home buyer. Uh, my realtor just referred me to you like what's your kind of process and how do you like you said you'd kind of help clients through the process so mm -hmm. at a high level like what are your kind of steps to what what are the steps for closing as a real estate lawyer on that side of the transaction because we talk at nauseum about, about the real estate purchasing the financing but like on your end what does that look like kind of start to finish so we kind of come in and more at the end you you already have a firm agreement you hopefully have a pre-approval mm -hmm. <laughs> you're ready to go so um First thing we do is we open your file on the same day that we receive your agreement. 
We will either call you or send you a welcome email, which it's a very lengthy email that explains to you everything that you need to expect. You need to get your insurance in order. You need to contact your utilities. We even tell you when your appointment is with us. Even if it's in three months, it's in your calendar. It's in our calendar. Everyone knows when you're meeting with your lawyer. And I think that, that really helps from the get-go set up like a, a trust relationship and a with timeline. your clients. Yeah, yeah. A timeline. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just like a black hole and clients are like, I don't even know where, like, when I'm meeting with my lawyer, I, mm -hmm. I'm two days before my closing date. I have no, I don't know where to bring my bank draft. I don't right. know what to do. Well, people still think they're getting us the money. Like, when do I yeah, pay no. 20 grand, Paul? I'm like, no, 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 you're not giving me anything. I always joke. I, I always joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm here for donations, but, you know, you don't have to. I'm not. Uh, it's not including your down payment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the clients know it's, ne it's never a big surprise. Uh, when we reach the appointment, the client knows exactly what's going on. They've already pre-reviewed their documents by email, so mm -hmm. nothing is a surprise. You don't need any more surprises two days before closing. So I think from the beginning, we build that relationship with the client. That way, on the closing date, they're, they're a lot less stressed out. Yeah. They know what's going on. They can call us or email us. We're very responsive, so they know if they're worried, worried about anything, we'll be there to answer their questions. And, yeah. and what's kind of the, you know, Obviously, you know, we let on the on the brokering side, we let clients know that a lawyer has been instructed, which is kind of the directions from the bank to the lawyer of what who's financing it, what conditions are there on your side. Maybe maybe you can kind of give uh, people an understanding of kind of what those uh, lender instructions look like, like things that you're having to do on your side ahead of time before they even come in to sign or anything like that or, or things that they that you have to kind of that you look for to kind of protect them. On a transaction yeah so the mortgage instructions will give us the exact details of how the mortgage should be registered on title under a document called the charge so we put a not a lien but a charge on property and that gives us the amount of the mortgage the interest rate the terms etc and it also provides us with a list of all outstanding documents that the doc the, the clients have to provide such as fire insurance uh, sometimes it's a void check to set up their mortgage payments sometimes we have a list of personal debts that we have to pay before we register the transaction just to balance the credits. Um, uh, and that all goes, so those mortgage instructions, they all go to our wonderful legal assistant who will start working on the file as soon as she receives the, the instructions. And then usually about four or five days before the closing day, the file is complete. We submit all the documents for review for, to our clients to kind of give them a, a quick overview of what to expect. And then we meet with them about two days, like two business days before their, their closing date. So it's a pretty straightforward process that usually involves a lot of communications between us, the clients, mortgage brokers, real estate agents. We don't like talking to real estate agents all that much simply because usually when they get involved, no offense, guys, no offense, no offense. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So we love dealing <laughs> we love with them. them. Just don't like talking to them ever. Just but usually, <laughs> no, simply because usually when real estate agents and lawyers have to talk, it's because there's an issue with the yeah. property. And that involves usually a lot of work and a lot of stress for our clients, but with great partners, um, we. That's a great. Uh, what What is the, what's the craziest thing that you guys have seen on a closing, um, come up? Curveballs. That's a heavy loaded question, yeah, but we see. Give Give us a few then. Yeah. Sounds like you got a lot of ammo. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, a story actually involving a broker. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure I wanted to say this because I don't want to <laughs> in, 
insult well, it's probably. Probably. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not. Really <laughs> no one in this room. Um, I think we were like the, the day before closing and there were a lot of outstanding broker conditions. So all of our solicitor conditions were were satisfied, but there were a lot of broker conditions. And I've been I was reaching out to the broker several times and at the end of the day it was clear that he had just dropped the client the day before closing. I don't know if there was a, like a lack of trust communication between him and the client, but he just dropped the file. So our legal assistant who's as mentioned, as Michelle mentioned, is she's amazing. She t took on that role. She became the broker. She got the client in. She's like, okay, we're going to pay down your debts. We're going to pay your car loan. We're going to pay this. We're going to submit all of these documents to the lender. So she got all of those broker conditions satisfied wow. on top of the solicitor conditions. We got the deal funded and the client got her keys before five. And this was... So this was because on, your, because on your instructions, similar to us on the brokering side, we can see what the solicitor conditions yeah. are and you can see what the broker conditions yeah. are. So I guess she just saw what the broker conditions were and we're like, you know what? The are, so it was like, what's outstanding? Yeah. What can we do? We got the list. And and we got it to, to yeah. Because I know so, some of them would probably say mm -hmm. like, no, we have to deal with the broker. Mm -hmm. It really takes a team yeah. to, to close a file. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was less funny. But like in terms of the funny things that yeah. we've had happening on transactions, I, I think the most common one is uh, clients are buying without inspection. And then the day of closing or the day after closing, they call us to say, hey, what do I do with the raccoon in the attic? Or like, oh, what do yeah. I do with the, I don't have a septic so system. now in the basement. Yeah, so those kind of surprises, which unfortunately... We, we can't do much at that point in time, but we yeah. will be there for the clients. We will negotiate a, for a solution or resolution of the issue. If it's prior to closing, then we have better chances mm -hmm. at negotiating. Mm -hmm. If it's after closing, we'll try our best, but we always usually advise our clients to get an inspection, such as, well, and financing conditions as well. <laughs> It was in 2020, early yeah. like, during the pandemic, when people were just buying like no inspections, no conditions, like 100,000 were asking. It's like, like hold on to your seats. Yeah. And when they come to us at that point, they already signed the, the contract is firm. So it's like, oh, well, so good hey, luck with that. Sign here. Talk to somebody, right? <laughs> no, I didn't talk to anybody. We're good. No, you're not. You're not good. <laughs> purchase and sell coming in with financing conditions, inspection yeah. conditions for inspections and such. And typically, oh, no, I was saying typically you're, you're working as well, like you're kind of the, as we are, like you're kind of the middleman between the lender and the client, right? Like you're getting instructions from the yeah. lender, but you're also kind of looking out for everyone's best interest. Because we how also do you, represent the lender. That's it. So how do you balance that so that you're actually still looking out for your client's best interest, but still protecting the lender? Like, how do you work that balance? Collaboration, open communication, honesty, um, integrity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, like oh, just yeah, keep yeah. those, keep that com communication open because there's always a solution. Sometimes it's creative, hmm. but there's always a solution if you could, if you just keep everyone involved, like up to date with everything yeah. that's going on. And that's also how you build your trust relationship. And people are more willing to negotiate on good faith if they know what's going on, if they know that you're you're really on top of it, and it's not a, a last minute surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, for the um, this isn't you know this is not directed at these guys in the room. Uh, what what do you find on purchase agreements that uh, are included that cause them like condition? Are there any conditions that you find cause the most headaches on purchase agreements? Um, like just overall on the on an entire deal. 
that I think it's mostly the to... lack of condition lack will cause an issue. Yeah. 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 So if you have to sell a property before buying your next one, your purchase agreement should have a condition about the sale of your house. Mm -hmm. Like it should be. If you don't qualify for to hold both. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You can't so, carry both. Yeah. So I agree. It would be mainly the lack of condition. And sometimes that's just a reflection of the market. It's just yeah. because you're in a bidding war. You have to take it or leave it without condition. And we understand that that was the... Um, uh, the circumstances back in 2020, 2021, but we're happy to see uh, new agreements conditions. with conditions coming well, back. So do we. We're, we're yeah. very happy to see conditions. For sure. We yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Firm agreement of purchase and sale with no finance. Bill just made the S. Like, hey, well, I bought a house. It's like, we haven't, did we, you? <laughs> okay. We, we haven't even talked to them. We haven't seen income yet in some cases. Yeah. They like, or we've seen income and we're good. And we say, yeah, your max purchase price is 500000 We get a purchase price, our purchase agreement for five seventy five, no condition. But also it's triggering appraisal. So it's also triggering an appraisal. So there's no guarantee that the value and purchase price are aligning mm -hmm. and that they don't have any additional savings to cover any delta mm -hmm. if it doesn't actually appraise. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of files that are like very sleepless nights that people didn't realize. Like, you know, for us too. Oh no, we we like I know Paul and I on our side, like we we end up bearing the the stress through because you know, and it's not it's not to the complete fault of the uh, of the client. Like they're a little just unaware of like the impact when when you're told a certain amount. Like that's actually what the limit is. There's not really flexibility. You can let them come up with the money to cover that difference. Um, so we end up trying to having to find a solution. Which mm -hmm. then you're hearing from them like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, what I meant is 500 was the limit, not not yeah. 575. Yeah. There's not really. No, very. Yeah, people always try to push the envelope. I actually had a client recently that was pre-approved for seven hundred, and he's like, "That's way too much. We're aiming for five. I was like, "Thank you. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> You're a very conscious buyer." Um, Greg had a question. He says, "Have Natalie and Michelle noticed an increase in divorce cases, especially when it comes to real estate sales, over the past few years?" Absolutely. Pandemic, pandemic divorces yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's a lot of couples selling their house. They're each buying another house. We see a lot of that for sure. I have to plug it because I know Dave and I, like years ago, we had a partnership with the CCLA uh, with regards to the separation and divorce program because there's so many lawyers that practice family law that do not know that during a separation or divorce, you can refinance up to 95% of the value. So anyone who's listening, if you know someone who is currently going through a separation or divorce and they currently own a home, this can save countless people from having to like uproot their families, leave their house. Both people are like, you're selling, nobody's winning, everybody's losing, you're losing equity, you're, you know, you're paying fees and so on. Um, so there is a program specific that Dave and I have access to where you can actually refinance the current property up to 95%, which then gives you that additional 15% equity because typically it's only 80%, right? On a refi. To come up with a buyout, yeah, you can you can pay them cash and they can buy their own place or have a down payment, pay off some debt. So it's an amazing program uh, and it just made me think of that with Greg. But Dave and I had this program probably eight or nine years ago and we talked to countless family law firms and the majority of them had not heard of it. Now, I think it's more, it's more like relevant now. I think people are aware of it now, but back then there was so much like miseducation or just people didn't even know of it, like ignorance around the program. And so many people could have had like not only money saved, but houses saved, you know, easier on the kids, everything. It's it's so much better. Keeping children in their family home. Mm -hmm. They grew up, absolutely. It, and it, it, I mean, to that point, it, married, common law, even if you're just like 
friends owning a property together it can technically fall under yeah. it as long as there's a contractual agreement that you're needing to like make the other one whole pay out you know whatever debt or buy them out so if it's in a contract if it's in a contractual document that's been notarized you're good whether it's a separation agreement or or otherwise so for, little plug to paul's point yeah little uh little psa um i have a question for you too uh so in our business people always ask us about like what's mortgage insurance what's title insurance what's this insurance what's cmhc what's the, you know so can you explain you handle a lot of title insurance obviously on your end that's kind of the what you're you know one of the main things you're obviously kind of incorporating into the transaction. Can you explain at a high level, like what is title insurance and why is it important for buyers, home buyers? So it's it's very important. It was introduced in the early 90s. Um, so it protects a whole range of issues. Um, the biggest one is fraud, um, title fraud. Um, there's also, zo it covers zoning issues, um, unpaid bills by the vendor. It's also most of the time or all the time required by the lender mm. so it's not really an option um, i've never ever closed a deal in 12 years without title insurance um, technically i could um, i would have a whole list of items that, that i would need to check off a, a whole list of searches that i would need to do zoning zoning certificate tax certificate brand new survey this would end up costing the client probably $10,000 rather than um, a $500 policy. Mm -hmm. So it's, and at the end of the day, you don't have any protection. So it's, it's a no brainer. So other than fraud, like fraud's a big one that they cover. Yeah. I think that's what most people that, oh, that most people know it and, and especially for the lender, but mm -hmm. it does cover things like you were saying about survey. Like even if somebody, if your neighbor, you bought a house and the neighbors put a fence on your portion of the of the lawn, it can even kind of cover that sort of remediate like that. It'll cover your losses, yeah. so it won't give you ownership to that parcel, but it will cover the loss of removing the fence, removing the shed. That's a, yeah. Like yeah. It, there's a lot of things that it yeah. covers that people aren't aware of. Correct. It covers issues that were existing at the time that you obtained the policy. So if you buy a title insurance and then a few weeks later you you go and put up a a shed on your neighbor's property, sure. Your neighbor <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah, that was on you. Yeah. But no, yeah. you're right. So it does cover a lot of those title issues. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of. I um, there was a. I've gone to a number of FCT title fraud kind of comp, uh, kind of conferences and, and speeches, and a lot of them that they talk about title fraud, and the big one is. Um, you know, on people that have even especially free and clear properties to at least register a secured line of credit for a yeah. dollar. Um, just because of when they are free and clear, you know, fraud kind of comes into play or there's a lot of like kind of craziness. Ottawa doesn't have the the number of fraud cases that, that Toronto or Vancouver does. Something's got to go there. It's yeah. either going to be fraud or a line of credit. Something yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, I always found kind of the, 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 the cases around or the, the case studies around like when there was fraud of like just pretending to be a, a, a buyer or a parent or, you know, and that's why powers of attorney, a lot of banks don't use, won't allow POAs anymore. And I know I, I get clients all the time where they're especially um, government like families where a spouse is overseas and they're just like, oh, I have a power of attorney. We're good. Like, no, you're not good. Like banks have gone away from allowing powers of attorney because of that people being gone and a spouse just being like, well, I'm done with this relationship and mm. I'm just going to decide for the house and I'm going to, I'm going to uproot and go. And, um, thankfully we're not allowed virtual commissioning. So the loss of C ha has introduced that since the pandemic. So we're able to meet a client who's overseas on a work trip, for example, and we can virtually, um, witness all of your documents. 
So that was really helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah, and new means of verifying IDs, like some electronic apps that actually you can send like a picture of your driver's license to that app and it verifies all the data and the information. So it's all in an effort to reduce identity yeah, theft. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> this company we used to work with, they do like and all this, they're like computer scientists and they're called Gambit, but they had this contract where they were doing like facial recognition and ID recognition, stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they actually <laughs> developed that, but yeah. Um, no, so, so there's a lot of efforts against fraud and identity theft, which was more common during the pandemic, especially in Toronto. I think we all got uh, to read those news articles that oh, were yeah. very scary. Oh, yeah. And... And I think also I, I've been noticing lately that most lenders, they will register at a much higher value. So they will basically put their mortgage on the whole appraised value of the home. Maybe that's also in a way to kind of prevent a second mortgage from being registered on title um, yeah, fraudulently. Yeah, there, there's, yeah. There's a couple. So there's a couple ways uh, or a couple reasons that I like. So I, I do private lending and then also on the conventional side. So you could look, you could, it can either be done to, where you're notified if somebody tries putting a second on as the as the lender. So in, especially in the private world that somebody's trying to s sneak a second in behind you, you're you know aware because you. But I, but for the the TDs and a number of the banks of the world, they they'll go up to 125 percent to reuse that yeah. that charge, right? right? To kind of reduce the the legal fees because they can just run it in house as opposed to. to a lot of other big okay. lenders were seeing it more and more. And I wonder if it's about also fraud protection, because yeah. if you have a, a mortgage secured on the whole value of the home, then it's hard for someone to steal equity from that yeah. property. And it's also an incentive for our clients to borrow more yeah. funds from that lender. But yeah. that's been pretty standard. Yeah, that's really. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't realize that uh, TD was one of the only ones that were that were doing it. So you're seeing, you're seeing an uptick from the other banks. Yeah. yeah. And now everyone's doing it. So what would you say for, um, you know, this is completely aside, not title related. Um, I think the big thing that people, you know, people that have bought houses before kind of know what to expect. What what do you say for first time home buyers of what to expect throughout a transaction from the first time that you talk to them, whether it be they're buying a condo. We were talking earlier about that first home that somebody buys. It's not always the white picket fence, um, you know, forever home. And a lot of times it is that starter home. So going through the conditional process, getting like a con, like reviewing a condo status certificate, are the things that you guys, that, that the two of you would advise clients of during at least that initial process of reviewing that condo status certificate and then through that whole process of like what they should be aware of, what they should kind of keep in mind as they're buying their first place. Is there anything different that you kind of do with them versus, yeah, as, a, as opposed to? So... It all depends also on the agent who referred us to clients. Yeah. Like a lot, most of our clients will come to us very prepared. Like they have good expectations. They know what they know what they're getting into, and they visited the place already with their agent. So we're going to review the status certificate in writing by email. Then we'll call to see if they have any questions or concerns, anything to clarify. But usually, status certificates are pretty black and white. Like yeah. it's this looks like a standard property, or your lender won't like that. Just yeah, yeah. back away right now. So you know. So if it's a no, no, it's usually from the lender's side. It's not really their decision anymore. It's like you can still sign and proceed with this transaction, but you will likely lose your lender yeah. and then you're stuck buying cash. Um, 
aside from that, you know, we're getting clients through the door who are well prepared with good expectations. And then we have a fantastic team at the office or office administrator. She's super proactive at client, calling the clients, uh, telling them exa exactly what to expect in terms of moving in. Like, don't schedule your move-in truck on the day of your closing. You're yeah. going to be meeting with your lawyer a few days before, but you don't get your keys there. You get your keys on the closing day. Yeah. So, you know, these are all type of things that we don't have to say out loud to yeah. a um, ex, like uh, an experienced buyer, but yeah. first time home buyers, it's like, oh, I'm meeting with the lawyer like three days ahead. Does that mean I get the keys like three days ahead? Yeah. So, so we have to say a, a few like, yeah, and we have to, to to give a few words of advice that would be obvious to yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I find the condo status review kind of a, an interesting one because there's yeah. there's a reliance on the lawyer to kind of review, mm -hmm. but it's not a you kind of have to walk that fine line, I think, maybe, of what whether to give them, tell them, no, don't proceed with this, or like you can proceed, but this is the warnings, like the lawsuits, like known asbestos, or 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 a shortfall of the of the reserve fund. These are all things you're obviously looking at, but but you're you know kind of. But there's, there's really, also a lawyer. Much time. Yeah, yeah. Time. But there's certainly but there's certain things that but you're not able to. I don't know. Are you able to say like? Don't don't go forward with this because of this, or is it just so this is the advice? The way that the condition is worded, it's a lawyer condition. Yeah. So technically speaking, yes, it is our call, but I would I wouldn't make that call for the client. Yeah. To me, I'm just there to advise. Um, it's always a client's decision. Um, if I do see a red flag with with asbestos or, or you know a, a big shortfall or um, and I, I can see that there's going to be a lender um, issue for sure I always recommend them to submit it to their lender first before for, uh, removing that condition because we we have experienced uh, really difficult files where the, the, the file unfortunately had to fall through because at the end of the day the lender didn't approve of it they hadn't reviewed it first. Uh, but to me, it's always the, the client's decision, for sure. I'm just there to present them with the risks and let them make the best decision for them. I think the uh, on the, the condo status side is a lot of people just think, you know, oh, I'm okay with that. And mm -hmm. to your point, the lender's not. And, yeah. and even the lender might be okay with it, but there's only three insurers. Yeah. Like yeah. CMHC, Canada Guarantee, yeah. and Sage. Yeah. And if they, they all share information, yeah. And they so if it's a condo building and there's there's a few hundred, yeah. Once it gets flagged, but they and they yeah. share those status certificates. So if there's if there's a number of buildings and they they see that there's red flags on it, they share that information. And so you you only have three opportunities to get an approval if you're less than twenty percent down, and you don't have many other options. So really kind of going against it. It's really yeah yeah. <laughs> you know if once CMH if CMHC doesn't approve you, then good luck with the other mortgage insurers. And we've had a deal fall through just uh, in the past uh, few months because of a status certificate issue that was revealed to the lender. The lender walked away. Unfortunately for this client, she never put a condition in her agreement for a review of status certificate. It wasn't the agent's fault. She she just her lawyer her her own brother was a lawyer not a real estate lawyer, but he reviewed the status with her and was like, yeah, 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 all good, all clear here. You can go ahead. This is a great deal. But it fell through, but so we learned. But at least tell them it's okay. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't fortunate, but we learned from those experiences. And uh, I mean, in the past, it's usually pretty black or white. Like, it's really like your lender's not going to like this. Yeah. 
you know, you're walking on thin ice. If you're going to proceed with this transaction, submit it to your lender ahead of time. If it's a minor issue or it's kind of a gray area, sometimes I'll write a comfort letter to my lender before removing the condition. I'll say, mm -hmm. there's a slight small issue with the property. We don't think it affects the marketability. So we would advise to proceed, but please confirm that you agree with that risk before we remove the condition. Rarely we've had to do that, but that's a way that we can alleviate uh, the risk. Especially, I imagine especially for like pending lawsuits, especially yeah. it's like, this is, this is an insurance issue probably or whatever. Like it's not, yeah. there's not like a liability yeah. on the, especially yeah, being able to write letters. Fantastic. Slip and fall incident. Like, yeah. It has nothing to do with the shell of the condominium yeah. or the property itself. It's yeah. just someone fell. You guys have closings today and you have to go. So we're trying not to keep you too long. Um, where can people find you? Like obviously your physical location, but like where can they find you online to kind of do some more research on you and learn more about the firm? So uh, our website is gertinpoirielaw.ca. Um, we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, you can call us anytime, send us an email. We're, as I said, really responsive. Um, we always respond same day on, on the business day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Except the realtors. No. Can barely type. Yeah, Louis is our new social media man. <laughs> He retired and just yeah. became a guru. <laughs> That's how I typed down. There's zero chance he stays this year. Um, that's great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out. I know obviously you're very busy and we're getting close to the holidays and everyone's trying to close before the holidays. So we really appreciate you both coming out and kind of sharing your until we'll have you back on next year when you have a bit more time and we're not as rushed and we're not sure Greg report. will blast you with some hard-hitting questions. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, we're going to take a two-second break just to see them out and then we'll be right back. We're going to bring Luke and Kevin back in. So we'll be right back. Off. Thank you. <laughs> for tuning in everyone we hope you enjoyed today's episode please remember to like share comment and subscribe because we'd really like that